Can you feel it? Your heart beats faster. You struggle to catch your breath. Your mind races. The time has come once again for the Deep Dive Podcasts Horror Month. Join us if you dare. <laughs> Hello, divers. Welcome to the final week of Horror Month 2021. I'm so sad. My name is Tom Feeney. I'm a writer for Wang's Chop Movie Magazine, available on Amazon.com. Sadly, my podcasting partner, Amanda, is again unable to be here. She went to a murder mystery party and hasn't been seen since. Actually, Amanda's still under the weather, and we hope she is back with us soon. One horror movie genre that, like Jason, Freddy, and Michael Myers, just won't die is the found footage film. For the uninitiated, those films are driven by the idea that the narrative is woven together using nothing but footage from cameras used by the characters. It's designed to be a more realistic documentary style approach. When it comes to horror movies, found footage films can bring an extra layer of suspense, dread, and claustrophobia when done well. We only get to see what the camera sees, and by association, the character holding the camera as well. It can be a very effective way of telling a story and scaring an audience. One of the most effective horror movies of the genre also kick-started its popularity, one that would make the found footage film a staple of horror for the next two decades. I just want to apologize to Mike's mom and Josh's mom and my mom. I am so, so sorry because it is my fault because it was my project. The search of the three missing Montgomery College students continues in Frederick County tonight. Ten days and thousands of man hours have been unable to produce any clues. We have a few leads, um, a few other options we want to take advantage of and just try to put together some, uh, some pieces to this puzzle. Do you believe the occult may be involved in the disappearance of your son? I am so scared. is The Blair Witch Project came from out of nowhere onto movie screens and not only changed the way horror movies were made, but also the way they were marketed. The story of three student filmmakers headed into the deep, dark Maryland woods to shoot a documentary about the Blair Witch, a local woman who was accused of practicing witchcraft and exiled into the woods to die of exposure. The trio, Heather, Mike, and Josh, find themselves not only lost, but hunted by something terrible. The story is told completely through the camera lenses of the characters. The film itself is very effective and proves that the things you can't see can be more terrifying than anything costly special effects can show. 
Blair Witch was a massive box office success, making nearly $250 million worldwide. Now compare that number to the cost of making the film, which was somewhere around $60,000. You do the math and that means Blair Witch made over 4,000 times its production budget. It was a small independent film that writing and directing duo Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez hoped would maybe get selected for some film festivals and hopefully make it onto cable TV. The turning point came when the film was selected for inclusion in the prestigious Sundance Film Festival. The audience response was so positive, the movie was picked up for theatrical release by Artisan Entertainment, which is now owned by Lionsgate. What really pushed the film over the top and made it such a success was the incredibly clever marketing campaign. It was the first film to go viral on the internet. The website for the Blair Witch Project played up the notion that the footage was real and the film was an actual documentary. The producers even went so far as to create a fake documentary about the Blair Witch legend, complete with interviews and fake news footage that aired on the Sci-Fi Channel. The Blair Witch Project became both a critical and box office success, spawning one awful sequel and one tepid remake slash reboot slash sort of sequel. While Blair Witch may have been the most successful found footage horror movie, it certainly wasn't the first. That honor, I guess you'd say, goes to the infamous 1980 Italian production, Cannibal Holocaust. I know, based on the title alone, you think this was an animated rom-com musical, but no. This is a grim, nauseating film. Watching it, you will feel the desperate urge to shower afterwards. Horrible. I can't understand the reason for such cruelty. Cannibal Holocaust. Four Americans plunge into the savagery of the Amazon jungle to film a documentary. They never come back. Actually filmed in the Amazon jungle. Coming Friday to a theater near you. When I first saw it on VHS back in the 90s, I had no idea how to react. I mean, I knew it wasn't real, but it was hard to see it in any other way. So basically, it's about an anthropologist and a rescue team that are sent into the Amazon rainforest to retrieve some missing documentary filmmakers. All they manage to find is the raw footage the filmmakers shot. And it's horrifying. Scene after scene of mutilation, rape, dismemberment, and other disgusting acts. It looks convincing and feels like it could have really happened. Of course, as real as it seemed, it was just a movie, right? Well, as gross, as unsettling as the film was, I had to admire the impact it had on me as a work of fiction. But it wasn't until years later that I learned the awful truth. Not all of it was fake. There are several scenes in the film that feature animals being butchered on screen, including a pig, a turtle, and a squirrel monkey. Those scenes were real. That alone 
makes it impossible for me to even attempt to watch the film again. That's not even to mention the rampant misogyny and racism that permeates the film. Cannibal Holocaust has been banned in many countries. The director, Ruggiero Diodato, was charged with obscenity in his home country of Italy. A year later, Diodato was also charged with murder. Why? The actors who were shown in the film being murdered hadn't been seen in public since the movie was completed. It fueled speculation that the actors were actually killed on set for the movie. That Cannibal Holocaust was what had been referred to as a snuff film. Thankfully, that was not the case. It was a publicity stunt. Diodato had those actors sign a contract that they would not make any public appearances for a year, so people might get the idea the deaths were real. That kind of backfired, I'd say. So Diodato had to produce the actors in court, alive and well, to prove he did not really kill them for this movie. That still doesn't excuse him for the extreme cruelty to animals that he allowed while filming. Cannibal Holocaust, it goes without saying, is more of an endurance test than a film. It's not something I would necessarily recommend to anyone. It is available to watch on the horror-themed streaming platform Shudder. But be warned, it is the full, uncut version, animal cruelty and all. There is a disclaimer put there by Shudder at the beginning of the film. So you see what happens when Manda isn't here? Things get dark. So let's leave this unpleasantness behind us and get to something a bit more mainstream. In the decade after the Blair Witch Project made its wet, squishy mark on audiences, many low-budget productions emerged trying to capitalize on its success. But it wasn't until 2007 that a found footage movie broke through to become a major box office hit. In fact, this particular movie has the distinction of being the most profitable film of all time. 2007's Paranormal Activity. Hi, Def Camera. On my girlfriend Katie. She thinks there's something in the house. I don't know. You believe me, right? I think we're gonna have a very interesting time capturing whatever paranormal phenomena is occurring or is not occurring. Windows are locked, doors are locked, the alarm is on. Hearing a weird sound. Something's here. I feel it breathing on me. There's footsteps in, but there's no footsteps out. Oh, God. Oh, my God. If you do try to play games with it, that's inviting it in. Jeez, looks like something big you. It's not the house. It's me. You cannot run from this. It will follow you. I'm in control. You're not in control. What's happening to me? This thing left a message. If it's not a ghost, what is it?
Paranormal Activity, written and directed by Israeli filmmaker Oren Pelly, was made for a budget of only $15,000. It's the story of a young couple who use a video camera to document themselves being tormented by a malevolent supernatural force. The movie was shot in only seven days with a home video camera. After a screening at a film festival, the movie got the attention of some Hollywood hotshots, including Steven Spielberg. That attention got the film a theatrical release, where it made nearly $200 million and created a huge franchise that spawned comic books, video games, and of course, sequels. Lots and lots of sequels. The seventh film in the series, Paranormal Activity, Next of Kin is now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus as of this recording. That brings us to the last great found footage movie of the 2000s. Also the last great monster movie of the 2000s. Cloverfield. It was 2009. Camera phones were still in their relative infancy with the best topping out at a whopping 12 megapixels for photos and 720p resolution video. The iPhone 3G had just been released. The term selfie hadn't yet entered the collective zeitgeist. But Cloverfield gave us a glimpse into our near future, where everything we do, everywhere we go, and most importantly, everything we eat, is being recorded, willingly, by ourselves. Something has found us. Oh my, what is that? On January 18th. You don't know what we saw. The point is, it's still here. Once you see it, nothing will be the same. You know what that thing is? Whatever it is, it's winning. From producer J.J. Abrams. Fight! We've got to fight! Where are you taking her? Cloverfield. Rated PG-13. Seen from the perspective of a camcorder that has been recovered by the government, the film recounts a devastating attack on New York City by a massive, monstrous creature and lots of tiny little baby monsters. The footage begins at a party being thrown to celebrate a 20-something's new job overseas. But the festivities don't last long, as the carnage begins quickly and doesn't let up. As we follow the small group of friends who try to get to safety, we are given little bits and pieces of information about what's happening, but not the whole story. It's a very effective technique and works really well here. The chaos, the uncertainty, and the fact that we can only see what the handheld camera sees only adds to the unease we feel watching the film. Now, of course, these movies represent only a fraction of found footage horror films. Some other noteworthy entries include 2007's Diary of the Dead, George A. Romero's take on the found footage movie and the next to last in his Living Dead film series. It concerns a group of film students who are shooting a horror movie when the zombie outbreak begins. They start recording the first days of the undead apocalypse. Rec, short for record, is a 2007 Spanish language found footage film. A reporter, her cameraman, and two firefighters find themselves trapped inside an apartment with what appears to be some kind of contagious virus that turns people violent and, and kind of bitey, if you know what I mean. It's a taut 78 minutes of sh shaky cam fun. And if you're one of those people who don't like subtitles, and shame on you if you are, 
There was an English language remake in 2008 called Quarantine. It's okay, but it's not as good as Wreck. One of the more recent success stories of the found footage genre is the VHS franchise. No, I'm not talking about the outdated video cassette format. I'm talking about the anthology film series that began in 2012. Essentially, the movies feature a selection of different found footage shorts by different directors, all wrapped in a framing story. Okay, here's the deal. We gotta break into this house, and all we have to do is steal this one VHS tape. Which one is it? I don't know, man. Let's just look at these, okay? What's so special about this tape, anyway? What was that? You're all gonna die up here. My apartment's haunted. It's not haunted. I'm sure there's a reasonable explanation. I like you. VHS turned out to be a success financially and with audiences. So, of course, let there be sequels. A year later, VHS 2 was released and was just as well received as the original. That's not the case with the third entry, VHS Viral, which by most accounts didn't keep up with the quality of the first two films. But you can't keep a good franchise down. This month, the terrific horror streaming service Shudder released VHS 94. This one features a SWAT team that raids a warehouse occupied by a religious cult that just committed mass suicide. Inside, as they explore many rooms, they encounter several videos, each more disturbing than the one before, and the team begins to realize that they are not alone. VHS 94 is a welcome return to the intense and visceral horror of the first two entries. Also, if you're listening to this and you don't subscribe to the Shutter service, once again, shame on you. This little taste is only scratching or maybe gouging the surface of found footage movies out there. Most of them are terrible, using the genre as a relatively cheap way to make a movie with video cameras, poor effects, and bad acting. But as I'm sure you know, just because a movie is bad doesn't mean it isn't entertaining. And isn't that even more important? I think so. Well, that wraps up Horror Month 2021. I want to thank all of you for joining me. And if you're a longtime listener, thanks for sticking with us. Speaking of sticking to things, our new Horror Month 2021 t-shirt is still available for purchase on our website, thedeepdivepodcast.com. They are guaranteed to be made of 100% cloth-like material. And while you're on our website, check out the links to our social media, including Twitter, Instagram, and even Facebook, or whatever Zuckerberg decides to call it now. If you're so inclined, please like us on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, and give us a glowing, over-the-top review. We'd really appreciate it. We will be back with new episodes soon, and hopefully my co-host Manda will be back as well, too. I need you back here, Manda. This is hard to do alone. 
for all of us here in Studio D, which is just me and my cat. I'm Tom Feeney. Thanks again for listening. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your aromatherapist. And we'll be back. Bye for now. The Deep Dive Podcast is a production of Automaton Studios. Uh, uh, uh.